It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of American Loser It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place I'm your host KP Burke, I'm a New Jersey-based comedian dad I'm I'm a Jersey guy. I'm a Jersey guy. Yeah. Why did it sound like you were dead inside when yeah. you said that? <laughs> you you well, said that. You like went from, dread. hey, folks, I'm KP Burke, and I'm a Jersey basically. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good time to be a Jersey guy. We be got proud. Uh, yeah, the Smod Castle is up and running over in uh, Atlantic Highlands. Please go visit that. I finally got a tour of it the other day, Kahuna. You like it? Yeah, it's where Kahuna gets to work when he's not with us. It's, uh, it's where Kahuna is building the network. The bridge to uh, abandon us from <laughs> the bridge to somewhere. Listen, <laughs> not the bridge to nowhere, but the bridge to somewhere. A bridge not too far. Yes, a bridge, a bridge of the river Kahuna. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, Kahuna of course, bridge uh, is falling down, falling down. <laughs> that's what you make me think of. You. Uh, anyway, continue. He's not wrong, folks. He's not yeah, wrong. a bridge on the River Kwai. We're going to blow that sucker up. Exactly. <laughs> and then just rebuild it. His career is going to blow up, actually, guys. We're, uh, we're very proud of uh, the young man behind the ones and twos. If you guys are familiar with the show, it is called American Loser. We put the spotlight firmly on second place. For four years running now, we've been telling you the most obscure stories from American history. I'm KP Burke. I'm a comedian and a douchebag. My father is a DILF. <laughs> His name is Lawrence Patrick Burke. Say hello to the folks. Hey, how we all doing here? And speaking of today's episode, he's also a Jersey guy. He it, Well, uh, let's not give away too, too much. Yeah, well, well, you know. You know, we wanted gotta to- Gotta be proud. Want to sneak that in there because we got we got a lot of great listeners. And a couple of course, jaw drops for the Cahoon. There's a few good ones in yeah. there. And uh, I also want to say thank you so much because, again, uh, you guys don't know, like money has to bounce around for the different projects we're working on and stuff like that. Um, I do keep a full-time job. That is true. I'm not ashamed to say it. I happen to like my full-time job. And I get to see some weird and cool shit. Uh, one of them is actually, uh, uh, somebody was mentioning this, there is a bar in New York City that is uh, fashioned after Today's Loser. And the people who are going to be, oh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And uh, actually, the person who wants to like take what me what they there, do, just build it like based on his fucking head or something? Very <laughs> close. Very close. Um, now, it, it's built to be uh, a shrine to him, if you will. And oh, okay. uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, believe it or not, it's Mark Riccadonna that wants to take me to this place. So, oh, my uh, God. The great Mark Riccadonna. When you said... Believe it or not, it's Mark. I was like, they built a shrine to Mark in New York. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it's called a, a Gay Bear Sex um, Den Dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Mark. Uh, Mark has to come back on the show. If he would return my phone calls, we could bring him back on. He's busy on the road. We love you, Mark. And, of course, behind the ones and twos, none other than uh, the guy who's been with us literally since day one. Uh, Kanye big, West. How you doing? Big man? Kahuna. <laughs> Kahuna was great, man. Last week, um, he had to call in uh, uh, all of his uh, – all of his resources to relocate us so that we wouldn't be um, competing with the Pentecostal church group that records down the yeah, street from us. We were I in told the you about the, the book on Sundays, man. <laughs> <laughs> we totally forgot. We were like, oh, it's great. You know what it was? I tuned out. I was like, the Giants aren't on anymore. Giants got eliminated. They did lose uh, in the playoffs. Um, unbelievable season, but it's over. So 
we came in, we we're like, all right, there's no football for us to compete with. And boom, there we were competing with, instead of football, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there you so, go. And now this week, Kahuna just had to make a couple of moves because we kept getting uh, screamed at while we were trying to do the podcast. Uh, yeah, some, nobody some... wants to play rhythm guitar. Oh, yeah. Jesus. So. <laughs> Yeah, we kept getting heckled by some blonde lady named uh, Marjorie Taylor Green or something. I don't know what her name was, but she kept screaming at us every time we tried to talk about America. Yeah, she's a bit of a bitch. <laughs> Kahuna, Kahuna, can you please stop hating women, all right? Never. <laughs> Kahuna's wearing his uh, Kanye did nothing wrong t-shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I'm teasing. We're going to get right into the topic, okay? Because we have some iTunes reviews every now and then that say, it's a good show, but they're never on topic. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know? And you're not wrong. You're How not was wrong. your week, KP? <laughs> it was pretty good. Now, real quick, I want to talk to you guys about something. <laughs> I don't, actually. We're good. Uh, quick shout-out, though. We have to give a shout-out to uh, the great founding losers. They are – I'm being sincere here. Money does move around a lot for me uh, between the full-time job. Uh, comedy is great. It's not always uh, what I want it to be. I'm eager and aggressive for more. And uh, unfortunately, this month, you guys – I'm not even kidding. We were able to secure the studio time only because of the founding losers. <laughs> Well, I'm not kidding. It sounds like it's nothing. It's as little as $3 a month you guys can donate to help us keep going with the show. Um, but it kept the lights on this time. It, it. it really was. It's the only reason we were able to continue doing it. Now, that being said, we do have to let you guys know that my father, Lawrence Patrick Burke, is going to be abandoning the family and going down to <laughs> Florida for his uh, winter sojourn. Um, we're gonna... I mean, would you not do the same if you had the opportunity? Yeah, really. When it when it hits single digit temperatures, it's time to uh, move a little further south. I don't know, fella. It's been quite nice lately. I don't know if you you might get last away with weekend it. was uh, a little on the nippy side. Sure was, sure was. Um, we're gonna go ahead and dive into the topic here, but I do have to just one last time thank the founding losers. They're the only reason why the show has happened here. And of course, one of the founding losers. We have a lot of great friends. We have some really incredible people. Uh, that are just behind us 110%. And we are going to do just a, a Patreon-dedicated episode where we just talk to, you know, about you guys and give shout-outs and weird little factoids and stuff we've been given from uh, different people over there. This topic is a topic I wanted to do, but it kind of broke one of our cardinal rules. We used to say we wanted to cover stuff that wasn't well-known in history. And the problem with that, you know, by well-known in history, we mean usually somebody has a movie made about them or a famous book or something like that. Or, for instance, with Alexander Hamilton, a play. Right. I mean, Ham whatever you want to say about that guy and, and the play and everything. And I did Being on the, our money, too, uh, kind of gives it away, too. Oh, absolutely. You know. so. <laughs> well, um, this guy had not a movie made about him, but he steals a movie about the subject matter. And it's a highly fictionalized version. And we're going to get a little name recognition for this one here. And I want to thank one guy in particular, uh, Pat Dowden, who's a good friend of ours, Coast Guard veteran, too, by the way, did an incredibly talented artist. Please go check him out. He actually drew you and I, Dad, and he drew uh, uh, Stinky Ed, uh, my, my bulldog. And he's a wonderful talent, and he casually liked to bust our chops about, uh, oh, yeah, they got to get New Jersey squeezed into every episode. You're right, Pat. Uh, this time, a <laughs> little bit easier here yeah. because I didn't know this one, Kahuna, um, but my father already gave it away a little bit. This fellow was born in Sussex County, New Jersey. So we're just starting off with it. That's right. We're going to get it out of the way right away. Um, and again, this is the real-life person. Not the highly fictionalized version, as seen in Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. Waiting to see if Kahuna puts it together. Okay. 
You likely know a little bit about today's topic. Have you seen that movie? I have. Okay. It's one of those movies, though, for me where I'm like, once was enough. Really? Really? I, yeah, I enjoyed it, but like, it, it's there. I don't know, man. I, that's an all-timer for me. And I, again, we have a little bit of the way to, if you were a kid, if you were under 17 years old in Larry Burke's house and you wanted to go see a movie <laughs> that was R-rated, you had to find ways into it. So he'd be like, Dad, it's history. It's about being Irish. <laughs> that's right. There's Irish music in it. It's about New York. And sure enough, he took me and my sister and my mom to go see this movie. And I just remember staring at the screen wide-eyed, blown away by it. It was incredible. Maybe I'm due for a rewatch. Yeah, re-watch I would think it. I would think so. Plus the fact, uh, as far as uh, the hook, um, your great great grandfather um, listed uh, that area of New York City as one of the his residences, if you will, <laughs> post Civil War. So uh, yeah, he was in the thick of it. I think um, I that's think so yes, cool. the the Burke family, and uh, and by the way, that that's you guys. I'm adopted. Okay, I'm from I'm from Upper Echelon. Uh, uh, but that's so Irish. fucking not, cool not that your that your dad can turn to you and be like, "This is what your grandfather, your great 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 grandfather did." Yeah, that's so cool. It is the best, man, and it's a uh, it's a very cool thing. It's exciting to talk about this topic here today. I know today's loser. Do you? I I, I know guessing. who it is. What do you got? It's Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> the greatest actor of all time. I would probably <laughs> I'd probably throw him up there. I think that's a safe bet. And um, if this movie didn't solidify it, uh, there will be blood. Absolutely did. If you haven't oh, seen yeah. either of those movies. He is uh, a bit of a hero of mine, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, just because he disappears into the roles. He's like an actor. He approaches that the same way that like a carpenter approaches uh, you know, intricate building woodwork. Something. An architect bleeds into the design of his building, stuff like that. The man's a genius. Oh, he's absolutely incredible. Uh, he's the greatest actor of all time. He is retired now. Daniel Day-Lewis does create a compelling, menacing, and somehow kind of likable persona for his character, Bill Cutting, also known as... Bill the Butcher. The Butcher is one of the all-time great characters in movie history. And, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis just knocks it out of the park as per usual. This particular movie, directed by Martin Scorsese, in something that he was obsessed with. He read a book called The Gangs of New York as a kid. And he was obsessed with this because it was – he's an Italian kid growing up. And and Scorsese, he's an American treasure. You know what I mean? He's made some of the greatest things ever. Um, and he also made Hugo, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I he love is, that uh, he's definitely a, a curious and fascinating guy, and uh, I'm just glad that he's on our side. I'll put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a uh, pretty yeah. amazing guy, and he, he kills it with this movie. He's fascinated by the story. He's an Italian uh, kid growing up in New York, and then he's finding out that the streets he's walking in what is now modern-day Chinatown is actually – was known as the Five Points, and it was the heart of gang violence in early New York. There was a great show you and I watched, Dad, called uh, Copper. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yes. Copper, I say great show. It had an excellent first season, and then it got a little peculiar. Copper was a good show. It was the, uh, the guys who wrote and created Oz on HBO. Oh. Oh, yeah. And it was uh, it was good. It was uh, Tom Fantana. That was uh, the guy from Oz. He was great. Um, but anyway, it's uh, the guy who was, uh, I think, Corky, right? Was the uh, – yeah, there we go. Corky was um, uh, an Irish cop. He was a copper, right, or a copper badge. Mm-hmm. So he would go around and he was trying to uh, solve crimes in the Five Points area. Sometimes he got involved in some bigger stuff. It was a good show. It wasn't great. It, it, it struggled at times. But it did really paint a great idea of what it was like to live every single day in this Five Points area here in the, the gangland, uh, early New York City. 
So again, obviously, Gangs of New York and then that TV show are going to give you an idea of what it was like over there. Obviously, Gangs of New York is uh, loud, abrasive. It's in your face. And the movie, the villain is supposed to be our topic for today, Bill the Butcher. And he's supposed to be the villain. And you wind up sitting there watching the movie. And you're like, why do I like this guy so much? <laughs> he's literally telling me I'm no good because I'm Irish and we're, we're subhuman and blah, blah. And I'm like, maybe he's got a point. Maybe I am so. <laughs> he's OK. <laughs> oh, my God, KP. But again, he's sitting there. And this is uh, Manhattan's Notorious Five Points is the setting for uh, the story here, which, again, is modern-day Chinatown. That's why when you look at some of the apartments in Chinatown, you're seeing what was tenement square type living conditions for the absolutely brutal, low quality of life that was endured by, at this particular time in history, an Irish Catholic immigration wave that was coming over here from Ireland. Why, Dad? Because they wanted uh, uh, – Because <laughs> we had way better potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> to escape the degradation that they were taking uh, – they were put under – Back in the old sod. And, and it was not just Irish, too. I mean, there was a huge uh, German Catholic uh, immigration at the same time. And but, uh, the key being Catholic there, too, because the, the Germans could fall into um, the Anglo-Saxon type thing a little bit because the Angles and the Saxons, they were uh, – obviously, they, this all goes back to the Germanic tribes when you're talking about how people come around here. And if it seems like we're beating around the bush, we're not. We're actually talking – we're, we're trying to set – a little bit of zeitgeist here for you guys. See? We taught you one word on the show, Dan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's it. Zeitgeist. What's it mean in German? You have all my hair. The spirit of the, the times. The spirit of the times. <laughs> so. If there's again, ever a word that just sums up this show, and like we're just happy to know it now, forever in my lexicon. <laughs> if you say zeitgeist, zeitgeist in the mirror three times, my father shows up and teaches you about the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy getting a tan. What do you want to know? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, for this particular zeitgeist, we're talking about – and again, this is specific to the movie here and we're going to cut between the movie and what's actually happening in reality, right. uh, you know, the, the true story here, which is what we're here to give you guys. This the is, movie is good historically, but there are, there are some liberties taken. Yeah, uh, you can't tell this story in the time that he wants to tell. The two major events, obviously Gangs of New York leads up to the New York City draft riots, which will be an episode of itself, I promise, because I, I find that – Completely fascinating. Well, there might be a guy today to give to put a little bit of light on that. There's a, a, a couple of a couple <laughs> instances. A couple here and little there. Uh, side notes. Yeah. So this is the events leading up to the New York City draft riots. Um, and in order, and what they did is they jumped around the timeline a little bit. So the real Bill the Butcher, whose real name was William Poole in the movie, that the character played by Daniel Day Lewis is William Cutting. Uh, William Poole, P O O L E, real life guy. Correct. He is the He's real the life guy, guy that was born in. Our own Sussex County, New Jersey. Now, I know a shop teacher who used to work up in Sussex <laughs> County, New go. Jersey. Dad. Yeah, maybe I had him in class. I don't know. Now, interestingly enough, too, is that uh, Sussex County, New Jersey is uh, – people hear New Jersey and they think it's all Jersey Shore or The Sopranos. And you're right. There's a lot of that. Okay? <laughs> right. I won't lie to you. There is that. <laughs> I like so, how you just kind of leaned into it. You're like, you're right. No, but, it's, but. We are a state that can give you uh, Bill Parcells, uh, uh, Danny DeVito, Shaq, Jack Nichols. We can give you all. We can also give you a little country Jersey thing. So I remember you telling me, Dad, when you were teaching up in Sussex County, New Jersey, to give people an idea of the farmland uh, that exists up here. Uh, Sussex County, New Jersey used to tell me that attendance would be low in amongst your students. For the first day of hunting season, <laughs> imagine that you go to school. Hey, everybody, call out sick today. Was there is there a yeah. field trip or something? No, it's opening day of hunting season. Yeah, so Goodwill hunting season. I <laughs> <laughs> like them apples, apple sauce, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> um, 
anyway, to, to get us into this, the section of New York City we're talking about is modern-day Chinatown. Uh, the Butcher is leading several gangs, amongst them uh, a gang known as the Bowery Boys, in street combat and street politics against the Irish immigrant wave that is arriving in America in large numbers. Now, that Bill the Butcher, Bill Cutting, again, played by Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie, is leading up to the New York City draft riots, which puts them in the heart of the American Civil War. But if you want to know more about that movie, go watch it, motherfucker. I ain't got time for yeah. you. All right? <laughs> just, a, just a little side context here. Between 1815... And 1915, so that 100-year span, uh, it's estimated like 35 million people emigrated to the United States from all over the world. But three-quarters of them came through the port of New York. So New York was the largest city and the largest point of uh, input, if you will, from all these various immigrant waves. But in this time frame that we're dealing with today, in the 1850s, that decade alone saw 2 million people come through the port of New York. Which is which predominantly were Irish Catholic and German Catholic uh, immigrants totally. who were trying to escape the oppression that they felt back in their native lands of either Ireland or Germany. So things were a mess. Kahuna, can you scroll down for one second, just for sure. once, to the cast? Where it's because he pulled up the cast. Kahuna is always very good with this, folks. He pulls up uh, the Wikipedia articles, different uh, little side pieces. I just saw this. Michael Byrne plays Horace Greeley. I did not realize that I'm due for a rewatch of this as well. Horace Greeley. Was oh, yeah. In, uh, he's a, he's a, he's oh, a player crap. in this particular time frame. Yeah. Horace Greeley, the most hated man in America who had a giant neck beard. Two-part episode on him, I believe, folks. <laughs> Go through the back catalog. <laughs> we got right. some good shit on there. That's a, a loser reception right Indeed. there. Indeed. Boom. The yeah. first one's out of the way. And a Jersey connection, which means now we can tell a story. Yeah. Let's get into so, it. If you want to know more about the movie, go watch it. Enjoy that. But we have to talk about the real guy. Not Bill Cutting. William Poole. The real Bill the Butcher. William Poole, and this is how we're going to go. We're talking about Scorsese, a great filmmaker here at Kahuna. So we're going to borrow a filmmaking technique, uh, kind of do an Orson Welles, Citizen Kane type thing. Ooh, Orson Welles, another loser section. Oh God damn, God, we've been on the air a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we got episodes, folks. Check the catalog. So William Poole, we're going to start off by killing the main character. So we're starting at the end? Indeed. All right, we're, here we go. William Poole died March 8th, 1855. Rose Poole. Newspapers reported that Poole, who was a very public figure in his short 33 years on earth. I'm 35, folks. I'm older than the butcher right now. Yeah, you haven't done shit. Exactly. Look what he's done. Hey, I, he got a movie Bill made the up. Butcher <laughs> and Jesus. Both died. Both had Scorsese make movies about him at 33. <laughs> I'm only six years younger than that dude. Yeah. That's weird. I don't like that at all. Well, uh, he snuck a lot into that 33 years here, and he uttered the last words according to the newspapers that reported on him on the regular. And by the way, they're going to talk about the media having a bias. It always has a bias. There's a lean on everything. These were nativist-friendly newspapers that were reporting glowingly about him. Yeah, now let's explain natives. Oh, we're about to. Give me, okay. let, me, let me tell you this one here because this, is, this sounds innocent, right? This thing I'm about to say here sounds very innocent. Supposedly, the newspapers reported that William Poole's final words on March 8th of 1855 were, Boys, today I die a true American. His death was widely covered in local news. His funeral was attended by thousands. His grave is still preserved to this day in uh, – I forget the name of the full cemetery, but it's in Brooklyn. It's uh, not forgotten and overgrown? Correct. It is, it's a preserved grave. You can still go see it to this day. And I believe there's still a lineage towards him as well. But that is Bill the Butcher. William Poole, who's known as the infamous brawler, Bill the Butcher, had earned a reputation as a brutal gang leader, a staunch anti-Catholic, and oddly a respected leader 
of the Know Nothing Party. Lawrence Patrick Burke, we're going to pump the brakes here. I know we just got started with the story, but what if I know nothing about Side the trip. know nothings? Yeah, I well, see nothing, I know nothing. Well, you're very close there, Sergeant Schultz. But uh, yeah, that's uh, the Native American Party, which became known as the American Party, which was then uh, was like a secret society, really, that uh, it was a political party that had uh, secret membership. And if anybody asked, what do you guys really stand for? Your response was to be, I know nothing. So that became known as the Know Nothing Parties or the Know Nothings. Um, how did this whole thing come come to be? Well, again, you got to rewind it a little bit um, to like the 1850s. What's the predominant topic of the day or the big um, – divisive uh, times, you know, that we're now going through in, in this particular country. It's slavery, but the underlying elements, there's many different things going on here all at once. Um, you know, lose receptions again with the uh, two-party system and the creation of a third party and all this type of thing where we have uh, uh, Jacksonians and Whigs and Federalists and everybody else uh, – trying to come into play here. Um, slavery is the underlying um, split divisiveness to the country. And people are choosing up sides, whether you're going to be an abolitionist or whether you're going to be pro-slavery, anti-slavery. Um, the know-nothings no were neutral. So they're trying to draw people from from both sides of the, of the coin um, with – their predominant thing is anti-Catholicism, anti-Catholic, that we have these huge, huge waves of immigrants coming into a predominantly uh, Anglo-Saxon Protestant America who are now, you know, still the leaders, if you will, calling the shots. But now you have this huge immigrant wave. And in New York City, you've got Tammany Hall, which was ding ding ding, yeah. a little three part episode there. Kahuna's already frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Fucking Tammany, Tammany Hall. Hall is a huge part of the Today story. There we so, go. I mean, we have Tammany Hall, which is a huge corrupt political uh, machine, if you will, that is now controlling New York City politics. And they're making very good use of this huge immigrant wave. Be it the uh, be it the Irish or or uh, German or you know whatever, um, as long as you can vote, um, we're going to be your friend. That uh, you know, here's a bowl of soup, and uh, maybe we'll get you some kind of crappy job. And uh, don't forget to, how to vote on uh, on election day. Oh yeah, um, need a keep... little uh, little wood for the stove. Come on down, man. Right. We got something for you. Right. Um, so there there's a, a a backlash, if you will, by the natives, the natives, um, and we're not talking to the Native Americans, um, you know, the red men that were still here. <laughs> we're here long before the white man showed up. We're talking about the born Easy. in Actually, American. The preferred term is uh, indigenous people. Indigenous people. Uh, for you. short, if you want to short, because indigenous is a long word, you can call them ingens. <laughs> um, that's the correct way to, to the respectful way to. Approach that topic. Not Injun, but no, in Ingen. Gen. Ingen. Oh, thank in you. Gens, thank you. Yes. Thank you for correct. making me politically correct. Here. Yes. I pronounced uh, Ingen spelled I N J U N S. <laughs> All right. Um, but anyhow, um, this uh, Know Nothing Party 
Um, their big thing is um, we got to fight against these uh, the Romanist conspiracy. Ooh, see a conspiracy popping in here. Yeah, Everybody so, thinks it's new. It's not. Yeah. So we now have this whole idea that it's the uh, Catholic Church and the Papists. The the uh, the Pope is now going to try to control American politics. The wizard in the the pointy hat. Now, which wizard would that be? The KKK, <laughs> KKK wizard, Kevin, yeah. or or uh, well, which, it's crazy. Which gizzard, which That's wizard? what people. Uh, we, we have a softened idea and a better understanding of the Catholic Church, and it's uh, uh hey, it's a Kevin Smith, uh, you know, affiliated studio. So dogma would be a word, but. Um, People didn't really understand back then if the major religion, the most common religion, almost exclusively by the founding fathers, is the Protestant religion, then you have these immigration waves. Think about this one too, and this goes with everything. It's um, uh, Israel and Palestine, uh, and then also Catholics and Protestants are fighting in almost every country anyway to begin with because the whole act of being a Protestant is a rebellion uh, against the Catholic Church. So. That'll go all the way back down to uh, Martin Luther and everything else like that. And the bottom line here being is that you've just established this brand new country, and it's in theory going to be a, a Protestant-type country, right? And now you have Catholics that are coming over here. And the question about being a Catholic is, and you're still hearing it to this day, uh, it was really settled by JFK for the most part. He was the first um, Catholic president. But uh, remember that there was that huge moment where JFK – uh, was going to meet the Pope, mm-hmm. and he was going to have an audience with the Pope and vice versa. And it was this yeah. goes back to literally goes all the way back to uh, Charlemagne and the First Holy Roman Empire about um, who's actually in charge of who. Did did God put you in power, or did um, the the Pope put you in power because he's the messenger of God? You know right. what I mean? So it's a whole argument with that, similar to how it was with JFK, where they were saying, "Are you going to be the president of the United States? Or are you going to be a good Irish Catholic when you deal with the Pope?" So he didn't kiss the Pope's ring when he met him. He shook his hand, and the message was clear. John F. Kennedy is an American, all right? right so back off. Right, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, it, the same thing's going on here where this misunderstanding about uh, the Roman papery, if you will, the popery, I should say, papery. <laughs> the papists. Yeah, so the papists are sitting there, and they will follow the orders of this unelected official. He's the original deep state, if you think about it, um, that th- this – could this guy, could this pope start a problem if he can get enough of his insiders into the country? So similar to how people get nervous about the idea of, oh, they're going to have Sharia law coming in here now if we have too many Muslims coming into the country. They don't assimilate, blah, blah. These are all arguments that are being made prior to the American Civil War, just about a different religion, different ethnic group. So same problems, different people. And um, to the times, to the zeitgeist in the 1850s, there's, I mean – there's all kinds of stuff going, conflict going on with all th- different types of things. In 1854, Congress passes this Nebraska, uh, this Kansas-Nebraska Act, which ruled away or disavowed uh, whatever was going on with the Missouri Compromise. So, with the Missouri Compromise, we thought that we had settled this slavery issue that Congress was going to try to establish who was going to be a slave state and who was not. Uh, now, with uh, Stephen Douglas. Um, putting forth this legislation and Stephen Douglas, yeah, the guy that Lincoln ran against in the 1860 election, Mm -hmm. that's Stephen Douglas. He comes up with this Kansas-Nebraska Act and that leads to a whole shooting war, if you will, within the state of Kansas. Bleeding Kansas comes about that now 
um, it was ruled or decided that the states were going to, s- to decide whether we're g- they were going to be slave or free. So now you have all the abolitionists like John Brown, eh, loserception, uh, rushing, today, rushing, I love it. <laughs> rushing into Kansas, and you have these uh, uh, pro-slavery uh, folks rushing into Kansas, and they're starting their own little shooting civil war within that to decide when the people vote as to whether they're going to be free or slave. Um, the Whig Party is falling apart. Um, and with that uh, enters this newfounded Republican Party, and the Republican Party, for the most part, is anti-slavery, going against the Southern or uh, the Democratic Party, and then now that causes this whole slavery issue causes a split within the Democratic, because now you have Northern Democrats and Southern Democrats, and you know there was a lot of folks who were left floundering as to who am I going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. getting behind. Well, we always enter, say it on the show too. Enter the, the know-nothings because they remained neutral on the whole slavery issue, but we got to get rid of these immigrants. It was an anti-immigrant kind of a thing and who were the immigrants of the day, but for the most part, these uh, Irish Catholics that so we got to oh, yeah. get the Catholics out of here. Know-nothings are going to have a strong support in uh, urban areas too where, where large populations are going because that's where the immigrants are going to go. So that's why they are concerned. It's almost like they were – imagine flipping the script, if you will, from today and saying that New York is a border state. You know, That's kind of what you're dealing with here. They're coming in. They don't assimilate. They're prone to crime. All these arguments are being made at this time. It just happens to be about the Irish who, by the way – Kuna did make a funny joke earlier too. They're fleeing. Um, there is the potato famine going on, the potato right. blight, the great hunger as it's known. Right. And there were other food and there were more crops that were being made in Ireland too, but you taught me this. Yeah. Um, but the English were taking those things and uh, American ships were being sent over with food to try to provide relief to the starving Irish, if you will. And we're being turned away at gunpoint by the English saying, no, 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 you don't. No, <laughs> right. no we're good. Everything's here. You, you don't mess you with Americans go back on your side of the Atlantic where you right. belong. So they're fleeing this. So now imagine this. You're an Irish immigrant, Dad, and you are being tortured in your own homeland uh, by people that are your native land, uh, being oppressed by uh, English Protestants, being told you're no good and that your Catholic religion is poison and that you're subhuman, blah, blah, blah. So finally, you suffer all that degradation and all the humiliation and uh, just constant oppression. So you flee to America for a better life. And what do you find upon arrival? A bunch of English descended Protestants telling you you're no good. And by the way, you're not from here. You better go back. But, yeah. but, but. <laughs> yeah, the anti-Irish uh, sentiment was uh, was huge in, in this country as well. And um, that whole, um, well, some of the terminology, I mean, where did the paddy wagon idea come from? <laughs> well, the paddy wagon was the police van or, or carriage that would show up to throw all these Irish immigrants, these paddies, which paddy was a derogatory name for the Irish immigrants that you're going to throw all these um, less than, you know, these subhuman uh, Irish immigrants, throw them into the paddy wagon, lock them up. Um, the whole idea of, uh, you know, help wanted uh, Irish need not apply. There, there was you know, huge discrimination. That could be written in the newspaper back then. Right, No Catholics. Right. If you're Irish, don't even bother applying for the job because uh, we we don't need you. But, uh, you know, help wanted, Irish need not apply. So there was a huge uh, uh, thing. But anyhow, this this know-nothing party 
Um, you know, people might think, well, with a name like the Know Nothings, who's going to be getting behind the Know Nothing Party? Well, there was a huge, a huge assembly of uh, Know Nothings, if you will, that re- wielded great power. I mean, it was a number of different state governors that were Know Nothings, um, um, various co- uh, state congressmen, and that type of thing, and Millard, Millard Fillmore. Uh, oh, yeah. In 1856, uh, a presidential nominee, although uh, he didn't win that particular election, and he didn't really come out and predominantly say that, hey, I'm a know-nothing, but um, secretly he was a know-nothing, but he got he ga- uh, gained like 21% of the popular vote. So, I mean – There was a contingent for <laughs> There's it. a lot of people that are, that are know-nothings, uh, whether they're coming out publicly to say it or in their hearts, they're, they're know-nothings. So, yeah, Miller Fillmore obviously had William Poole being a member of the Know-Nothing Party, Christian Cordes, Fernando Wood. Um, <laughs> now, Cohen, you had a question, good sir? Yes, give me a minute. He's got to collect himself. Um, uh <laughs> By the way, uh, my favorite part of this, because uh, if you have not listened to the show for that long and you did not get a chance to enjoy the, the trilogy on Tammany Hall, my favorite part of uh, Tammany Hall was that Tammany ran uh, the candidate, Fernando Wood, who was the first Tammany Hall-backed mayor of New York City. That's a 100% true story. Uh, the guy did hold the office of mayor of New York City, which is what, Eric Dickerson now, I think it is, right? Is that the guy's name? I think so. I think so. I'm not sure. Um but I do know this. I lost count. Yeah. I, if you could check that for me, I'm, I'm bummed. I don't know that. I, it, and it's weird. That's what growing up in Jersey is, is that you hear about the New York City mayor and you hear about the New York City traffic every day on the radio, but you don't go there. Eric Adams. I'm sorry. Eric Dickerson is a football player. What the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't whoops. sound right. But yeah, I'm sorry. Lawrence Taylor. I'm sorry. Oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So, wait. Millard, uh, Millard, Millard Fillmore. Is he – we didn't – that's not a uh, loser reception, is it? Like we've no, talked we never, about no, him. But he, he is He's a good one to have. Before. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, my buddy, uh, 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 history of hyenas, uh, Chris Stefano and Giannis Papas, they did a very funny episode on Miller Fillmore. If you want to check out more about him, but um, anyway, so there is a uh, there's a response to this too. This is almost and by the way, the thing that they would always you want to talk about um, not legalese, but speaking out of both sides of your mouth here, um, they were able to say. Um, that the party was, we're not racist, we're pro-American. Right. <laughs> you see how they <laughs> this right. little spin move there? Wrap the flag around me, boys. <laughs> but um, and and the snow nothings too. They were also big on temperance, which was a huge uh, draw for some, and uh, workers' rights. So, um, you know, they're not coming out to be um, pro-slavery or anti-slavery, but if. Um, freed slaves are going to take away jobs from Native Americans. Uh, that's a that's a huge voting block that's going to get behind that whole idea as well. So, also just to point out, just because I know some people are most definitely going to ask, we here at American Loser are staunchly anti-slavery. <laughs> well, our sound engineer sometimes fluctuates on that one a little bit, but. You don't say. <laughs> We've seen what Ming pays you. Ming's very much in favor of slavery. slavery. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We're teasing you, Ming. We Slave love you. wages. Ming does a great job here at a shared universe podcast studio in Homedell, New Jersey at the Bellworks. He allows the kahuna to sleep here. I've seen oh, the kahuna shit. sleeping on the couch from time to time. So, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Now, LP, did you have anything else you want to say about the know-nothings as we dive into uh, – No, that's, I you, think you that... gave – we have to do it this way, folks. We know it sounds confusing here, um, but this is the deal. This is what we're explaining right now. 
Uh, There's so many things going on in this particular time period all leading up to the Civil War. We're trying to show you why this guy, number one, is necessary uh, or feels necessary to some people. Uh, Number two, why those people would either consider him a hero or an absolute villain and why, because of Scorsese's movie, there's this – there's a renewed curiosity about him, I would say. So interestingly enough, like all things, we said, this story starts in New Jersey. We've told you everything that's going on in the country right now. We've told you about the crazy five points over in Manhattan. But in Sussex County, New Jersey, in 1821, William Poole is born to a family of English descent. William Poole is going to be a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male. Kona, yeah. also known as bzz, a wasp. wasp. <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah. So, and not only are they going to be landowners too, by the way, they have a farm over here. This would come into play heavier in life too, by the way, is English descent, if you will. Um, it wouldn't be until 1832 that his family will move from New Jersey into Manhattan. That never happens anymore, by the way, folks. <laughs> it's right. the other way around now. It's some kid, some liberal yeah. arts major in New Jersey says, well, I just want to be a designer. And you're like, oh, I guess you're going to Manhattan. No so, anyway. Buy a Cadillac and Hackensack. <laughs> Is that all you get for your money? Yeah. Um, Anyhow, he winds up getting over there, and uh, the family opens up. This is in 1832, mind you, because, again, I just want to make sure we're being clear here. At the time of the events of Gangs of New York, the real Bill the Butcher has been dead for years. Okay, talking 1860s for when that movie takes place. 1850s is when our boy's dead. So, um, Kahuna, the family opens up a business in Manhattan. I'll give you one guess what the Poole family went into business with. You know it's right there, goddammit. And I don't want to fucking – I don't want to swim here's, in that deep end, Here's okay? a hint. His nickname is Bill the Butcher. So what do you think the family business was? Oh, shop, shop, they, opened, they opened up a pool opening business. <laughs> pool, <laughs> pool there cleaning. you go. <laughs> pool cleaning. A pool hole. <laughs> so anyway, they do open up a butcher shop. And learning the butcher trade, uh, he takes to it very quickly. He actually takes over the family business. And that will be one aspect of Poole's life. But another is his own desire, Kahuna to perform a duty or service for his beloved New York City. So he did what uh, almost all people in our area, I think every boy <laughs> growing up in the uh, major metropolitan area dreams of at some point in life, whether it be a childhood fantasy just for, for 10 seconds, but there had to be a part in your life, Kahuna, where you wanted to be a firefighter, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. during fire prevention week when the firemen come in and give you a little oh, plastic yeah. fireman. I yeah. thought you were going to say wanted to piss the on the third rail, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> right, right. Electricity <laughs> hasn't come about yet. Yeah, no, no, no yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, by the way, in Kahuna, just uh, a very dangerous precedent to sit there. But, <laughs> yes. but of course, uh, so being a fireman is something that I think – I know I dreamed of for quite some time. Uh, thought that was going to be what I did. I did that in the Navy a little bit. had a great time with it. But – Firefighting was a little bit different on board the USS Kearney than it would be in Five Points, 18th century uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. Get a load of this one. So he wanted to be a part of that because New York City, all the houses are so close together. They're going to be made out of wood. One fire could take out entire sections. I mean, we, you want, I'm not going to – I don't want to go too heavy on loserception here, but we did cover the Great Chicago Fire. I was about to say, right, were there the San any, like, Francisco fire or anything else? The Great uh, Conflagration. The, there you go. You know, uh, were there any great New York fires? Well, uh, it was a constant problem over here. And there were fires, by the way. It just uh, – we never – I mean Chicago really put everybody to shame with that one. Uh, yeah, our it, fire was the best, yo. It was. It, it really was. And uh, Fucking O'Leary's cow. It's a, I mean, yeah. Lose reception there. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys remember. L- true diehard listeners remember who uh, was the guest on that episode too actually. <laughs> yeah, 
one year today. And to answer your question too, Gahuns, there was a major New York City fire, but that was during the Revolutionary War when uh, uh, the British uh, um, when old in the Battle of New York, the, yeah, the shit yeah. kicked out of them in right. Brooklyn. So. But anyhow, yeah, fire fire was he left a Brooklyn dread. in more disgrace than Kyrie Irving. Hello. Um, <laughs> Learning the butcher trade, though, is going to set him up for success. So now he's in the city here. And then one of the things that you could do as a service to give back to people was to become a member of a New York City fire department. That sounds very noble, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's not the civil service test you take, though. This is a volunteer <laughs> fire That's department, right. Dad. Volunteer, it's for sure. It's an entirely volunteer fire department. It's often run and composed of uh, – who would you get to, to combat these fires here? That's a constant threat in New York City with wood buildings stacked, you know, tightly stacked in close to each other. We don't exactly have city planners that are – enforcing codes, if you will. There's immigrants coming in left and right. There's tenement squares, uh, dirty landlords. Total, also, totally overcrowded conditions too. I mean- it, Oh, it's filthy. The, the, it's a tenement uh, to the uh, ninth degree or the tenth degree. You arrive so you can suffer, so you can get enough money or get an opportunity to go west. Usually that's what it was. New York wasn't going to be where you stayed. It was going to be where you- you either got, were able to be successful in New York or you were just successful enough to get out of New York. That was really what I want to wake up in the city that smells like shit. You ain't wrong, sir. <laughs> right. So As a matter of this. fact, I come, came across a great uh, quote from David Crockett. Uh, this is a brutal one. This is a brutal one. That uh, Now you have Davy Crockett, uh, Indian fighter, frontiersman, and everything else who toured New York City at that particular point in time. And said that he would rather be out fighting Indians than to uh, try to ro walk the streets of Five Points at night uh, in that particular time frame. It was far safer fighting Indians out, oh, yeah. out on the frontier than it would be walking down the uh, streets of New York. I believe another part of that quote, too, was that, again, this is the real life Davy Crockett had a quote saying that uh, you meet an Irishman uh, down by me out in Tennessee and he, you meet a fine, upstanding gentleman. You meet the Irish here in New York City and they're just – it's, it's <laughs> That's you know, a whole it's different criminal. Thing. Whole so different ball game. They were uh, they were gang members. They were fighters here. The reason a lot of it was because a lot of them were criminals escaping. There was a desperation, and we all know that in, at the end of the day, crime comes from uh, need. Poverty drives a lot of crime. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think people are born bad. That's you know we we will get into our Hobbes versus Locke theology here another day. That being said, um, the volunteer fire departments in New York City are very interesting because one other tiny thing is that a volunteer fire department is often run and composed of in New York City at this time by local gang members. Right. The, the gangs control your neighborhood. Oh, yeah. The gangs – and as a service that the gangs provide to you, almost like – you know, it's such a – it had moments, but on – as a whole, it was really lame show, Sons of Anarchy, um, that they would always say – you understand the motorcycle gang keeps this town safe. And you're like, oh, is that why there's gunfights every episode? Yeah, great. <laughs> That's great, guys. So anyway, um, similar to that, the gangs are offering that they will be the – your fire brigade. Your volunteer fire brigade will be made up by gang members here. So this one particular truck is the Red Rover Fire Brigade, and that's the brigade that William Poole served with. This fire brigade serves Christopher and Hudson Street. You ever been on Christopher Street, Kahuna? No. You absolutely have. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a very fun – it's where all the good bars are now too, Christopher Street. It's a, a, you take the path train in. Hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun part of Manhattan to be hanging out. That's where you want to go. I haven't had a good night on the town in a minute. So really, oh, yeah. Okay. You want a chance to, to hook up with a, a fashion student? <laughs> go, to, go to Christopher Street. Okay. 
That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Go watch the special, Escape from Jacksonville, free can on we, YouTube. Can we just call it Kahuna Street moving forward? Kahuna Street. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So this is a, a very upscale section of Manhattan now. But now. at the time here, this is uh, rough and tumble. And mind you, uh, again, fires are a constant threat here. So you're just happy to have anybody that's going to respond to a fire. But get a load of how things went down in this time frame, sir. William Poole served with the Red Rover fire truck. And again, it's uh, Christopher and Hudson Street. The gang affiliated with this fire brigade was the Bowery Boys. Okay, and of course, the butcher was a member of that gang as well. If you were confused by how neighborhood gangs were also volunteer firemen, this wasn't exactly firemen like uh, Kurt Russell and Backdraft running into the blazes to rescue folks. Yeah, no, this and is way, Bowery way, Boys. yeah, this is way back in the day firefighting. Oh, yeah. it is. You're walking away with third degree burns on a good day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, picture the uh, the old lady uh, throwing cups of water out of the fire in the window next door to her. It's kind of that. that's all you have. Oh right? yeah. Go right. ahead, sir. You were going to say something. No, I was going to say, and the Bowery Boys weren't exactly uh, Hunts Hall. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, Bowery Boys uh, meet the uh, Frankenstein or whatever the whatever <laughs> the kind of yeah back in the, <laughs> back in the the fifties. Not, uh, not, yeah. uh, not Larry Martin Sr.'s Bowery Boys. He likes to watch <laughs> on go. TCM at six a.m. or whatever retired time he wakes up. Um, anyhow, that being said, uh, these Bowery Boys are rough and tumble guys, man, and uh, the firemen back then. It's not like today. They're they're uh, you know the, the certain gangs, certain parts. If it was an Irish neighborhood, you have an Irish gang that would represent the Irish fire company. So it wasn't quite like it is today. You know, back then uh, the fire department was mostly made up of Irish guys. They were heavy drinkers. They were fighters. They were brawler. Oh, it's the same. I'm sorry. You're right. No, you're right. That's correct. So anyway, this particular uh, company, the Red Rover Brigade that uh, William Poole is serving with, and his gang is the Bowery Boys. They're interesting here because it's not them really rushing into a fire. There's no oxygen tanks or anything. What these guys would do, you tried to control the the fire. We're going to put the fire out if we can. And by the way, when we do, there's no insurance back then in the day, really, folks. So you're just going to go ahead and ransack. So when the house, as the house is burning, quick, quick, put the fire out so that we can loot everything. And the gangs that were in charge that put the fire out could then loot the building. So if you Oh, honey, I just got you this beautiful candelabra. What happened? Oh, the Johnson's house burned down. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Fire sale. <laughs> yeah, fire. <laughs> and if the house was torched, of course, the looting could then begin. Right. So the best way to get and salvage more from the house is to put the fire out quickly. So there is incentive to do your job properly, but not for the best uh, and most noble of reasons. It was really just to save the, the rest of the neighborhood uh, more than to save that particular house. Yes. Uh, the term save the foundation would be <laughs> come into play here. Um, so, hey, the foundation didn't burn. So, Arnie, we got something to build on. Well, now, if you were the first one on the scene, and Kahuna, you'll love this. Because okay. um, I, I know you said you saw Gangs in New York, and they, they do show a little scene of this. But this blew my mind because History Channel confirmed this was 100% a true practice. Uh, and by the way, hey, uh, Pete Stegmeyer, former guest on the show, back on History Channel again. He said they brought him in as a, a heist expert for his uh, – his podcast uh, called I Can Steal That. He promoted it on the show. Yeah, yeah Pete's a no great guy. Way. Army veteran, hilarious guy, really great guy. Very proud of him. Um, now, interestingly enough here, if you were the first on the scene at a five points fire, you had the rights to the fire and presumably anything that could be looted from it. So one technique in order oh. to ensure that your fire company got this, this was a tactic employed by the Bowery Boys, which again is William Poole's crew over here. So Bill the Butcher is showing up. They set the fires, didn't they? No, no, no. Well, they, you it's know. entirely plausible. <laughs> yeah. But this practice is almost more devious than that. Get a load How? of this one. Okay. All right, Kahuna. I'm going to tell you. So we're all neighborhood boys right here. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're a nativist. Okay. Because you're you're the Kahuna. Okay. Yeah. You've been here before. And me and my father, let's say for the sake of the story, are dirty Irishmen. Okay. Um, 
That's right. Pampas. So, the worst uh, kind the of The Kahuna's Irishman. family lineage would surprise you, but continue. Oh, yeah. Kahuna's <laughs> Irish, too. Yeah, Kahuna's <laughs> Irish, too. Um, so anyway, uh, a fire breaks out, and we hear about it, right? And you and me lock eyes, Kahuna. And we go and we try to rush back to tell our respective fire brigades because we want to make sure that we get to the fire first. Okay? Right. The first, so, the first fire brigade. It wasn't a unified oh, no. citywide fire department. This it isn't was brothers all individual – uh, block by block, gang by gang, who's con- who's mm-hmm. forming their own fire company. It wasn't a citywide kind of a thing. So, so Kahuna will run over and he'll tell uh, Ming about the fire, right? He'll tell Ming Chen about the fire and the shared universe uh, fire, fire brigade, brigade will show up. And you know what you guys do? As you and Ming are getting everything ready, Chris Mad, the other engineer, what a great friend uh, of the show here, a uh, great guy in general, um, he's going to go take a bucket and he's going to stand by the fire, okay? What's he going to fill the bucket with? Water? Sort of. He's going to find the fire hydrant and cover it with a bucket and sit on it so that when me and my dad show up with our dirty Irish fire brigade, we can't get to the fire extinct the, the fire hydrant fire rather. Pump. Yeah. So we can't get to that. We can't do anything. And first of all, maybe he's hiding it so well we don't even know where it is and we're all looking around to find out where the source of water is going to be to put this fire out. Or Chris Mad, who's a big tough guy himself, you know, uh, they don't need to know he's a pussy. Um, but, uh, he sit there and he just decides he's going to not move until you guys show up to bail him out. And now the strength in numbers is there. I'm like, oh, we got to fight. Right. We got to fight. A, a we got more Mad, of, our, yeah, a we got more of our guys on scene than the, your yeah. guys. So. so now we're screwed. So we're sitting there and we just say, all right, I guess we're not getting to this fire. And as soon as they show up, as soon as Kahuna and Ming show up, Chris Mad pops up and goes right here, fellas. Boom. And they part they go ahead and put the fire out. That's how these fire companies used to work. Right. Meanwhile, the, what? the yes. fire is blazing. Yeah, he's going to cover up whatever fire hydrant or pump. It's not a really a hydrant by today's standards. It's more of a, right. a hand-operated pump, just as the fire engine or the fire truck is not modern-day version. It's probably a horse-drawn thing or even the guys pulling the, the wagon themselves. And now they're trying to pump from whatever water source might be available. So the point is, first man on the scene is going to take a bucket and cover up whatever water source might be available until the rest of his crew arrives and now they're in control of the fire or they're in it's control their of fire. the pickings. It's, it's their that's salvage. What, that's, that's right. Really it's their it salvage experts. Now, between his prowess with a knife, his bare-knuckle brawling, which, by the way, Bill the Butcher, it, it, you – He liked a good fight? Oh, it is a, it's a fictionalized version of him for the timeline, but it's not too crazy. Uh, you know, From sort, the movie you're talking. Yeah, they, yeah. they didn't have to come up with uh, – there's plenty of, of – Stories written by New York newspapers about a bloody brawl um, with Bill the Butcher right in the center of it. I mean, he was a real nasty dude. Uh, keep in mind, this is 1800s over here. Six foot tall, 200 pound, hard drinking man's man. All right, killer mustache like you saw in the picture there, Kahuna, when you brought him up over on the old Wikipedes. Mm-hmm. So he is a bad dude. Um, excellent. You know, big guy to begin with. Then you find out he's good with a knife. Then he's got some yeah, He's a butcher still. after all, so he, he knows sure how to carve things That's up. That's a kill. That's a wound. <laughs> God, I know what I'm watching tonight. So, uh, and this is an era, by the way, because Bill is a nasty fighter. He is known. This is written in newspapers. Uh, the butcher was known to bite off noses, gouge out eyes, and take part in many illegal bare-knuckle brawls. Remember, this is an era when legit boxing, if you want to go all the way back to the history of boxing episode we did, all the way oh, back. Oh, reception. Uh-huh. It's like the fourth episode we ever did. John Moses was the guest. Um, legit boxing counted around as any time somebody got knocked down. So that was legal boxing. Per, per se, legal, but respected boxing. Yeah, there was no three-minute round. It was. Oh, yeah. It went as long as it took to yeah, knock down, to get boom, round down. one over. Knock down, round two. So anyway, 
man, oh man, if that's what the legal boxing was like, what do these illegal bare knuckle fights have to look like? <laughs> it's pretty much a mauling, okay? So by the 1850s, our boy the butcher is done cutting meat for folks. He sells the business and opens up a saloon for drinking, fighting men like himself. Everyone is welcome, Kahuna. Welcome except to the salty the spittoon. How tough are you? <laughs> I love this. Okay. He's good too, man. If you came into the butcher's saloon, and uh, you said, I, I, you got a big black eye from a fight that you went in. He goes, how would you like your steak? And he goes, uh, well, I'll have it rare after I put it on my face to heal this wound a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if brutal, brutal fights are against the 1850s right now. And of course, like we said, he's got this great drinking establishment. It was called the, uh, what was it, the Exchange? I believe that was what it was called. Bill the Butcher's Bar was, I believe, called the American Ex The Bank Exchange was the name of his bar. I'm sorry. So and um, if you could look that up, Bill the Butcher Bar uh, in modern Manhattan, Kahuna, that's the name of the place that uh, Rick Adana wants to take me. So anyhow, he's got uh, – his original gang was known as the Washington Street Gang. And that joined up with other nativist gangs to form the fearsome Bowery Boys gang that would essentially run the nativist portion of the Five Points. Mm -hmm. The natives didn't like the invading, uh, invading swarms of Irish Catholics who were arriving by boat to escape the potato famine. Though it might seem strange nowadays, the Catholics and the Protestants, they didn't really get along, folks. Yeah, and there's a long history of that too. And then you, you, the time frame, the worst year for the Irish potato famine, it wasn't just a one-year deal, but 1847 was the Black 47, black 47. as it became known as oh, yeah. that. That's when the entire fields turned black from the potato blight and people were literally starving by the sides of the road. And the Irish are eating the grass because there was nothing else to eat. But that you would see the dead corpses on the side of the road with the green um, dye coming out of their mouths from them trying to eat the grass because there was nothing else to eat. It's uh, absolutely brutal conditions, and that's why you had to escape it. And that's why even though you're being harassed by the locals here and you're living in absolute filth, it's still somehow or other <laughs> a little bit better here in America. So <laughs> anyhow, um, we're not advocating for why the street gangs got violent with one another. But if you were a nativist – now hear me out on this one. And all of a sudden, your neighborhood was overrun with foreigners with different customs and values than yours. And a good portion of them were uneducated or undereducated. They were known to be prone to crime due to poverty, of course, and are competing with you for jobs, for your jobs. You might not be greeting them with warm soup at the docks like Tammany Hall was. Tammany Hall liked bringing them in because, hey, by the way, just all you got to do for us is just vote on this thing. Make sure we're There's in charge of all vote. your money and we'll make sure we're in charge of the government here. Yep. Boss Tweed was a genius, okay? Actually, Kuna, there might be something exciting we're going to do and uh, uh, we might be going into Manhattan soon. I might Ooh. have – my father might not be available. I might be bringing you with me. Word. So. Uh, the other side of that coin is that if you were an Irish Catholic that had been harassed, degraded, and starved to death by Protestant English, um, now you're being starved to death and degraded by Protestant Americans of English descent. We're just not doing great. No, it's <laughs> it's two very uh, – it's two people that are absolutely stuck. It's a quality of life issue. Um, both sides have their merits, but then both sides are also stuck in some backwards ways of thinking and, of course, violence in the streets of America. So interestingly enough. There will be violence in the streets and a big portion of it during Bill's time with the Bowery Boys will be between the natives and the Irish immigrant gang known as – this is the best gang name. I would say there's some really good ones. The uh, Bloods and Crips are, are intimidating names uh, for gangs. Um, Hell's Angels, that's a scary name if you really – How about the Sharks and the Jets? Sharks and <laughs> yeah, I'm not as afraid of them. They like to dance. The Bunkhouse Boys <laughs> from Twin Peaks. <laughs> but uh, this is a great – Great, great, great name. Do you remember the name of uh, Leo DiCaprio's gang, the Irish gang in Gangs of New York? Mm -mm. 
I know when I first heard it, I was like, I'm going to get a tattoo that says that. I'm going to start a new version of it. <laughs> there you go. It was so cool. I can imagine little KP sitting in the uh, theater like, oh. I was a freshman in high school. I was a freshman in high school when that came out. And I remember losing my mind. And uh, I bought the soundtrack. I used to play it um, before wrestling matches. It does have a great soundtrack that I will. Well, the the song, if you will, every time that the, uh, the Irish gang, known as, by the way, here's the name. The dead rabbits. Dead rabbits. The dead That's rabbits. That's not as badass as like like you think it might be, man. Like I don't think it's that when you know that they're coming to fight because there's someone walking around holding a dead rabbit on a stick and there's oh yeah, that's there's right. a little um Oh. Yeah, nah. Oh yeah, it, yeah it's creepy. I'm good. That's that's your sign. When you see a dead rabbit in your front lawn that's uh, hanging from a stick, that's that's not a good sign. Yep. Oh. oh, Omar's coming. That's what that means. <laughs> when they're marching towards your house, they're fucking singing the song from Alice in Wonderland. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. <laughs> fucking Picture that song being sang by Marilyn Manson. That's what I would say would be <laughs> the perfect thing here. Now, again, um, violence in the streets here between the Bowery Boys and the Dead Rabbits. The beef between these two gangs will last legitimately decades in New York City and include more than – more than – this is reported by the New York Times – New York New York Daily Times, I believe um, – more than 200 gang battles will take place. Yeah, Imagine looking outside. From like, when to when? You said decades. So like 1800, oh, so early 1800s. I would say 1830s to um, after the Civil War as well. And right up through Reconstruction, right, right up to the 1900s. And, uh, um, it, wow. <laughs> and uh, if Uncle Paul was Someone here, he'd be like, states. oh, and then the Italians got there and showed you guys some class. You know? <laughs> That's right. Some would say it's still going on. Uh, uh, A gun to a knife fight. A gun to a knife fight. (laughs) Great quote. All right, Indiana. uh, That was – well, I mean I know what you're doing, Sean Connery. But uh, anyway, uh, we did a great uh, three-part trilogy on Tammany Hall, so we won't go too, too deep into that here. But uh, that's more than 200 gang battles in the street. Imagine uh, not having school that day, Kahuna. (laughs) Yeah. Not because – oh, I got a ticket. It's alternate side of the street parking. Oh, God, I forgot it. I got a ticket today. There's I, a gang war going on. I parked on. in the middle of a gang war. Ugh, again? <laughs> yeah. So, Are you tired of your car being destroyed in these gang wars? <laughs> Hi, I'm Saul Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Dead Rabbits, well, they're going to number – it's a pretty sizable gang too. The Dead Rabbits being the nativist gang who was created as a response. I'm sorry. No, uh, Dead the Rabbits, Dead Rabbits the Irish the, gang right. in response to nativist harassment. Okay. So the, again, the two big there's a tons of tons of other gangs, some really great names in there too. Uh, Kuhn, if you want to look up other names of the gangs from that time frame, there's some pretty good ones. The Plug Uglies was nah, I like the Plug oh, Uglies. Oh yeah, Plug yeah. Uglies, the Chichesters, uh, the Forty Thieves, uh, the American Guard, the O'Connell Guard. There's all sorts of good stuff in there. Some of it was just their their uh, the street that they lived on too. They just took that the Poplar Street Boys. <laughs> I know the Ugly I, Cordezes. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't bad. Yeah. I don't know. No one would call them ugly. Handsome people, <laughs> the Cordezes. So uh, anyway, here's the thing. For more on Tammany Hall, which is what we're trying to talk about over here. uh, Go check it out. Yeah, there's a three-parter on there. Literally, it is the trilogy that made my dad say, KP, I thought this was like a part – I thought this was like a hobby. (laughs) I made it a part-time job for him. Yeah, so, uh, just a little something to do in my retirement. Yeah. Your golden years, Once a week forever. (laughs) So Bill and his fellow gang members, they liked a good brawl in the streets, but they also knew the importance of local politics in their endeavor against the Irish immigration wave. The Irish gangs all supported Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall, the most corrupt political machine in New York history, used the swelling ground numbers of the Irish immigrants to their advantage. 
because they, unlike the uh, nativists, if you will, would let them become members of their political party and therefore Americans, if you will. They would enfranchise them, right? Getting the franchise, disenfranchisement, all that other stuff. So anyway, by letting them become members and supporters, they pretty much had their elections on lockdown. Hey, uh, there's a new boat full of votes every day. Let's go give them soup. That's right. Yeah, that's what it was. They and the promise of a and, job. And, and keep in mind, this is the whole thing here too. It sounds like they're more noble and it sounds like they're doing a service and they were, but it was a service for a price. You know what I mean? You vote this way, you get this. Oh, you don't vote this way? You're not part of that block? Well, what are you doing for me? Because I got nothing to offer you. So – it sounds like it's the humane thing to do. It sounds like there's a very uh, uh, copacetic way of welcome to our country. Now, <laughs> right, right. now get to work for me is really what it is. Right. So anyway, um, they're going to ensure that uh, not only should the Irish not vote. OK, that's what uh, William Poole and his know-nothings are taking care of here. They're doing voter intimidation in order to try to compete the fact that Tammany Hall and the Irish Catholics seem to have their elections on lockdown. So you, what do you want to are we going to let them vote? Well, you can't say that they can't vote because they are, you know, uh, technically Americans now. More importantly, white Americans. That was uh, again huge for the time frame specifically because you're talking about pre-Civil War era over here. So uh, the Know Nothings will use uh, voter intimidation, Kahuna. You don't hear about that in the news anymore, right? Oh no, not at all, man. Exactly. That's a yeah. It's a far-out concept. Voting at this point in time, too, was not, you know, going Careful with voting. That got Edgar Allan Poe killed. That's right. Going (laughs) into the booth and pulling the curtain behind you and and you're going to vote in secrecy. Well, no. There's somebody looking over your shoulder to see exactly how you're going to vote at the the polls. And, you know, you're going to have these various street gangs controlling the – the election booth, shall you oh, say, yeah. or who, whose Absolutely. name are you putting into the box for the, the ballot box? Let's say corrupt KP is running for office here, okay, and he's running against Ming Chen, who's going to be a reformer for everybody. And what I do is I <laughs> – Ming Chen, the reformer. Yeah, Ming Chen, the reformer, and uh, KP, corrupt KP. And what I do is I hire Kahuna and Chris Mad, two big tough guys, to stand next to you. Hey, who are you voting for? Um, whoever you say, Mr. Kahuna. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went down over there. And sometimes you had to actually rough people up because the Irish are known to be a little bit stubborn. Yeah, but for so. some reason that Kahuna guy would walk up to you and just sound like Elmo. Hey, who are you voting for, buddy? <laughs> 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 so the biggest thing here too is that they would make sure that Irish Catholics were too intimidated to run for office. Okay, Because if they don't run for office, you can never hold public office. So the power that comes with holding office – uh, is being uh, political appointments. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to- and again, that's part of the disenfranchisement of the Irish Catholic wave. And, and you, you're right, Dad. It does extend to the Germans too. But uh, you know, uh, it, it wasn't quite as bad. A, a German could be uh, more forgiven, if you will. <laughs> the, the Irish didn't have a good reputation in Ireland. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Plus the fact that the Irish would speak somewhat close to English. In their native language. I mean, you could maybe understand what the hell they're saying, where the Germans are. Now you've got a whole language barrier too, but um, that's another whole issue. Someday soon, we're, we're going to do what we were nervous about, and we're just going to unleash Uncle Bobby on Kahuna, <laughs> yeah. for, and we're going to let the mics roll, and we're going to watch him lose his mind. But <laughs> Uncle Bobby speaks Gaelic to people uh, ad nauseum, okay? And we love him. He's the legend, the absolute legend. But uh, he will explain to you that the Irish language that was being spoken by these immigrants actually came into uh, early parts of uh, the modern slang. So can you dig it? A digum too would be Irish, right? Or uh, if you would if, – if we said, hey, cry uncle, right? If, we, if I had your arm tw- – if I was twisting your wrist behind your back and I said cry uncle, unakal means I quit in Gaelic. Unakal, <laughs> unakal. 
Yeah, exactly. So uncle, <laughs> uncle, uncle, uncle. That's so cool. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll, we're going to let uncle Bobby loose in here one day. We'll get Megan to bring him down or something. But anyway, um, that was the whole big thing here. The Democrats in New York City are supporting Tammany Hall and vicariously holding out their hands to the Irish. So Poole is now forced to run as a Whig. The Whigs being the uh, the, the the party beforehand. Uh, I guess the, uh, the the forebearers. Am I using the right word? The, the whatever you want to call them. Uh, the prequel, if you will, to what's going to become the Republican Party is largely rooted in well, these parts these of Whigs. the parts of the Whig members of the Whig Party. Some of them did go to the well, Republican side. Well, then turn the, yes to Lincoln's. Republican and they might Party. be know nothings secretly. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, Dr. Schultz, I know nothing. So Poole <laughs> is forced to run as a Whig for alderman of the sixth ward, but lost in grandiose fashion. He was not able to get a lot of the vote over here. Something about hating all, you know, 30 percent of the population of your city is not really great for that. Also, something about having an alderman that is known to be a hard drinking, knife fighting butcher brawler who has bitten the nose off of a couple of people, you know, <laughs> might leave a poor taste in some people's yeah. mouths. Almost as poor of a taste as when you use it to bite people's noses off. By 1853, though, the popular amongst his own and also well-known, okay, very well-known guy here, uh, if you were a native and you believed in his cause, if you were a, quote, know-nothing, um, or even just a Protestant in general, you're like, well, thank God we have our, our champion, Bill the Butcher, is out there taking care of business for us. He's looking out for the natives, right? Because the, these Irish, they're showing up every day. They're dirty. They smell. They don't have jobs. Uh, you know, at least this guy's doing something about it, you know? So... Anyway, get a load of this one here, Kahuna. 1853, uh, Bill the Butcher is appointed to serve on the New York City Board of Education. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to a Board of Ed meeting. There was a guy with a knife talking about these goddamn immigrants. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. He's influencing the children. Crazy to let a guy serve on the Board of Ed less than two years after an article in the New York Daily Times reported on the following incident. Brutal outrage in Broadway. We learned that at an early hour yesterday morning, two noted pugilists entered Florence's Hotel, corner of Broadway and Howard Street, and without any provocation, seized the barkeeper and beat his face to jelly. Holy shit. It appears that Thomas Heyer, William Poole, and several others entered the above hotel, and while one of the party held Charles Owens, the barkeeper, by the hair of his head, another of the gang beat him in the face to such an extent that his left eye was completely ruined and the flesh of his cheek was mangled in a most shocking manner. Yeah. Um, so in layman's terms, they fucked him up. <laughs> yeah, he got uh, he got oh, yeah. the proverbial uh, ass whooping. <laughs> so <laughs> they tuned him up real good. That's written in the paper with the guy's name attached to it. Do you think he faced any charges, Kahuna? Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, uh, uh, officer, did you see that? I didn't see nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> no the butcher nothing. will now soon end enter the feud rather way that will result in the end of his life. An Irish-born the guy. This guy we're about to talk about the, the character entering the story here now is from Tipperary originally. Um, he's Irish-born but American-raised. He grew up in Troy, New York. Okay, he is also a bare knuckle brawler, and he is known as John the Smoke Morrissey. Okay, that's a good nickname, the Smoke. The Smoke. Oh yeah, the Smoke. <laughs> so uh, John Morrissey is about to enter the fray. Both men are very tough brawlers with some criminal tendencies. And probably would have gotten along if not for the whole Catholic, Protestant, immigrant, native, Tammany Hall, Whig thing, right? Their feud would stem from boxing bets and contested fight results, meaning that the, the fight that they were betting on 
Um, Morrissey was one of the fighters in it. And uh, obviously, Bill the Butcher, William Poole, had bet on the other guy to win. And then it looked like the other guy did win. But then Morrissey's friends distracted the guy who had won the fight. They got him out of the ring. And then the referee, the crooked referee, announced that Morrissey was the winner. So now Morrissey's like, oh, cool. I'm going to end. He, yeah, not exactly uh, Marcus of Queensberry rules were. No, sir. <laughs> were no, sir. We're in hand here. Only in America. <laughs> <laughs> so now here's the thing. They probably, it, it was a tough, it's a sports bet gone wrong. Uh, Bill the Butcher does not want to be losing his money in a fixed fight because nobody fixes fights except the Butcher. So again, this is a feud that literally starts off with boxing bets and then it's just two guys that can't get along because they're almost too similar. It's like looking in the mirror with one another, Kahuna. Mm. So. Anyhow, they probably needed the money over here, but their feud would stem uh, from this. It's actually going to wind up seeing Morrissey hiring two, get this, Kahuna, recently fired NYPD officers. Now, one of the best things that we talked about in the Tammany Hall episode, something that we tried to do Tammany Hall in one episode. See, why I'm kind of excited to hear how this plays out (laughs) is because to be fired now as a police officer is rough. But to be fired back then, who will look away for certain things. Oh, yeah. You're talking for union. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, no ethics. I know. If you're familiar with it, there's programs now in most police departments called accreditation. Uh-huh. That, uh, <laughs> Inter- <laughs> so, uh, Internal affairs. <laughs> well, yeah, but accreditation is just the policy on how to do something. That's relatively new. These are things that are being done in response to um, you know uh, police reforms. And that's being done by the police to police the police, if you will. So those things didn't exist. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, but you also have to remember, too, at at this particular point in time in New York City history, um, there's actually two different police departments. The Metropolitans. The the Metropolitans and then the the state-appointed police department. And they were at odds. Actually, you talked about were there riots prior to uh, the fracas that went on at at this particular time frame. Yeah, there was police riots that the two uh, opposing police forces— I don't know if you were – were you with us for Tammany Hall? I was with you for the last part of Tammany Hall. Oh, that's right. right. Ming was with us. Go ahead. There was two opposing police forces. This is when we realized we had three episodes on it. And they're brawling right on the steps of uh, City Hall. You Um, know that's got to be fucked when your city's two police departments are brawling in the street. So you had the NYPD, the New York Police Department, right? And then you had the Metropolitan Metropolitan Police Police Department. What do you call the Metropolitan Police Department if you had to shorten it? Oh my god! Uh, what the fuck? The Metro. Metropolitan, the the M- MPD, MPD. Let's go Mets or the Mets. <laughs> Wait, are you? Si- <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were just like, okay, you guys can't be cops, but you can go play baseball <laughs> <laughs> in Queens. Get out of here! Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, that that's the, so the Metropolitans is what the Mets is short for. Obviously, the the uh, the. I had no idea. That's so cool. Oh yeah, so they these two. My father's right. There was. I'm not going to lie. Police, I thought the, the Mets was. I thought the Mets was based off of the Met. Well, uh, Met Metropolitan. Metropolitan. Obviously, Metropolitan. the word is widely or, encompassing, but yeah. they, for short, they were, the, the Mets would the, the Metropolitan Police Department. That's so cool. Yeah, so actually, which cops got you, the NYPD or the Mets? That kind of thing. <laughs> right, because they, they were dueling, similar to dueling fire departments, dueling police departments, right? Dueling time. police departments, and if one police department locked you up during the day, the other one might set you free that night. That uh, wow! Yeah, right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or um, the uh, Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, one amazing. Of my, one of my good friends who will, will remain nameless. Uh, you know the uh, the guilty are protected by uh, <laughs> the innocent. Oh, Frank Padone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the whole term nightstick. 
that with these two opposing police forces to serve at nighttime was more dangerous to serve than during the day. So if you're carrying a nightstick, that means that your billy club is even longer than it would be normally for carrying during the daytime because you're, you're apt to um, oppose the criminal element, if you will, at night. So you better have a bigger stick. So the nightstick, that terminology means that you're now carrying mm-hmm. a bigger stick than the, the normal daytime billy club. Um, and a lot of these terms are coming into play here. As I said, mentioned earlier with paddy wagon and that type of stuff, a lot of those terms actually came from this time frame, from this time era. So uh, we're, we're getting towards the end here. Okay, I know some Finally. of you. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what, I, this is one of those episodes. I like to think all of our shows are good. We, we do put a lot of effort and we do care about the show in here. Um, but this is, I think, one of those episodes. It's on par with... Uh, like uh, the escape from Alcatraz type thing. People want to know, well, ha- tie it all together, KP. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to, I promise. So LP, uh, anything else you want to jump in with here? Because I'm about to introduce the two cops, Lewis Baker and Jim Turner. Do you have no, anything you else can, you want to say about that? Uh, you can have okay. those two guys uh, go at it. All right. So John the Smoke Morrissey, he's got this beef going on with Bill the Butcher, William Poole. Okay. So that's a nativist versus uh, an Irish-born uh, you know, New Yorker. Still New a Yorkers. dirty Catholic, though. Oh, yeah. Still dirty, dirty Catholic. <laughs> Um, John the Smoke Morrissey is, uh, you know, this beef's going on over here, and he's got to figure out what the hell he's going to do. Their feud is going to wind up involving Morrissey hiring two recently fired NYPD cops to get involved. Morrissey seems to have hired them with the intention of telling them to go kill the butcher. And they probably needed the money, and the Tammany machine probably wouldn't be too upset. By the way, the Tammany machine was probably going to be the people that helped them get their jobs back. Okay. Um, you know, a little slap on the wrist thing. Because, by the way, we're talking about the nativists and, and, you know, the Bowery boys roughing people up and saying, hey, no Catholics voting. That absolutely was happening on the other side, too, that Irish Catholics were bullying other people into voting. You know, there was Catholics bullying Catholics into ensuring them that they vote for the pro-Catholic ticket. Vote I mean? early and often. Oh, yeah. Uh, this guy only – yeah, shave his face, send him back. Exact line from Gangs of New York, by the way. You know, shave his beard, send him back to vote with a mustache, shave his mustache, send him back to shave as a young man. <laughs> so – um, to vote as a young man, rather. Anyhow, uh, this feud is – it's getting pretty hot and heavy here if you're going to hire two former cops who worked as sluggers for Tammany Hall. Uh, imagine seeing that. You, go do your taxes and say, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a slugger for a local political <laughs> machine. Oh, what do you do? I'm involved in local politics. I beat the oh, shit I'm out of Oh, I'm a slugger anybody. for the Mets. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's the designated uh, hitter. <laughs> every now and then, folks, Kahuna has the line of the episode, and I think that's one of them. That's <laughs> so now this is where it gets even more ridiculous. So these two cops, Lewis Baker and Jim Turner, former sluggers for the Tammany Hall machine, they're going to uh, get money from John the Smoke Morrissey to kill Bill the Butcher. Okay. Sounds like a pro wrestling feud. Really does. <laughs> it does. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In this corner. So. Know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to go ahead and make sure that, uh, you know, sending, by the way, it, let's be clear too. If you're going to send in guys that are sluggers, you're making sure that when they face the butcher, that means blood's going to be spilled for certain, which results in on February 26, 1855, by the way, I think a full 10 years before the events of Gangs of New York, which go see that movie if you have not, or if you need to rewatch it, go check it out again. It's it's a beautiful Scorsese movie. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis is incredible in it. The real-life Bill the Butcher, um, as reported in the New York Daily Times on February 26, 1855, terrible shooting affray in Broadway. 
Bill Poole fatally wounded. The Morrissey and Poole feud, a renewal of hostilities. Several persons sev- uh, severely wounded. Uh, Broadway in the vicinity of Prince and Houston Street. I'm sorry, Huston Street. <laughs> right. Huston Street. Huston Street. Uh, was the scene of an exciting shooting affair about one o'clock yesterday morning, which is but a repetition of a similar occurrence that transpired a few weeks ago under Wallach's Theater between Tom Heyer, Lewis Baker, Jim Turner, and several other noted pugilists. Imagine that one, if that came out today. Noted pugilist. You know, oh, right. uh, UFC fighter is kind of what we call them nowadays. So Lewis Baker, by the way, um, th- they do shoot and kill Bill the Butcher. Bill the Butcher. They fatally, get him? He is fatally wounded. He will die um, several days later. He doesn't die right away. He dies several days later. He does get to have the fawning press coverage from the nativist-leaning newspapers. And again, whether or not that is a creation of the nativist-leaning you know, media machine or whether he actually did get to say, today, boys, I die a true American, um, that is – it remains you know, to be seen. But uh, what do we always say on here? We, we, you mean newspapers might bend the truth? Exactly. Come so, on, Kev. Oh, totally. It's, uh, it's got to be true. I read it in the newspaper. Exactly. I, I, I won't go down my, my wormhole. I only watch the news every three weeks when I'm forced to do it at work because there's one stop that doesn't put on sports. They just make it. So every three weeks I watch the news and it's the same thing every three weeks. And I was like, I just saw this episode. <laughs> um, but anyhow, anyway, uh, these two guys do wind up pulling it off. So uh, Lewis Baker and Jim Turner do successfully wound Mortally wound, Bill the Butcher. Bill the Butcher will die. Okay. His final words, like we said, epic quote, today I die a true American. That's going to be a rallying cry, if you will, for the nativist sentiment in town for sure. So Lewis Baker is now scared shitless. He realizes, he goes, oh my God, I just pissed off all of the nativist New Yorkers. So they're going to be coming for me, man. Lewis Baker will attempt to flee authorities. Okay. And his move is with the assistance of a couple of other people from the Tammany Hall machine. They get him on a boat, Kahuna, and Lewis Baker's going to get the hell out of Dodge. It's fact, time to get out of town. He's trying to sail legitimately to the Canary Islands. He actually gets onto the boat, and the boat gets underway. Okay, so the ship is out there, and he gets arrested out. You know, before the the ship can get to the Canary Islands, he's arrested, apprehended, and then brought back. He will face three trials, Kahuna. Oh, you want to know about the power of the Tammany Hall machine? Three trials. <laughs> three trials. Okay, get a load of this one. Three trials. This is the power of Tammany Hall. The local newspaper said, oh, yeah, um, Lewis Baker shot Bill the Butcher, and no one contested it, right? They're like, yeah, the newspaper wrote that. Everybody saw it. They had witnesses. You know, uh, He's dead. Everybody knows we're looking for the guy who killed. Three hung juries. Lewis Baker walks free. That means three trials, three hung juries. Tammany Hall machine says, hey, you want the heat on this winter? I don't think you saw anything. I didn't see anything. <laughs> Tammany Hall. Wow. I know nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have the know nothings and the say nothings. Now, how close to how close to the the end of the Tammany Hall regime was this story? Oh, buddy, uh, Tammany Hall doesn't really go away until Fri- Fiorello LaGuardia, uh, who will work in conjunction with uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So uh, that the, sucks. <laughs> we're talking about the Great Depression era. So you're talking about at least another. What are we talking? Another seventy years or so of uh, Tammany Hall. Of no effect. justice. Uh, not no justice. By the way, it, Tammany Hall. It only worked because it worked. They only lasted that long because they were successful. People's lives did get better because of them. But it's also the most uh, corrupt thing possible. And, and I don't want to rehash it's- too too much of what we covered already. But if you you literally go to the Upper West Side, you're standing in the. It, it's beautiful. It's unbelievable. The architecture. Uh, 
the uh, the museums, everything like that. That's all built by corrupt Tammany Hall money. Right. So they did give something back to the people. City Hall is corrupt Tammany Hall money. Oh, absolutely. It's I'll tell you what. This is what it was. They Tammany Hall. You had people that would would rob you if you had a dollar in your pocket. You had people that would rob you and take the dollar, right? And then Tammany Hall would show up and they would take your dollar, and uh, then they would keep seventy cents of it and then give you thirty cents back and be like, "Hey." Could have been worse, right? <laughs> like, you know, right. if I'm going to get robbed, I've chosen to get robbed by Tammany Hall. Right. <laughs> so, anyhow, at least they gave me a job and you know, the exactly. opportunity to make a they dollar. They're they going to take seventy cents back, but at least they gave me a dollar. The the greatest, uh, and, and I don't want to ramble on too too long over here about this, but I, I do believe the opportunity Kahuna is going to be coming through. Our boy Mike Harrington, one of the producers over at uh, the Great Gas Digital in New York City. Um, Harrington, who looks like an Irish immigrant, recently arrived from uh, another country. Uh, he's about to become a dad too, by the way. Very happy for you. Get out of here. Yeah, we love Harrington. But um, uh, Harrington was saying that uh, one of our boys, uh, the, the show's called High Society Radio. They're actually, they want to do an, an episode potentially on uh, Boss Tweed. Boss Tweed had the greatest scam of all time. This is Tammany Hall in a nutshell here for you, Kona. You weren't here for this episode, so I'll explain it to you. Boss Tweed was running New York City, but Power is running for mayor. True power is running someone for mayor. Okay. Okay. So he's the one. He's the kingmaker, if you will. And he's sitting on all the boards for all the construction projects, all the electrical units. He has a little construction business. He has a million different things that Boss Tweed does. And what Boss Tweed is brilliant about is that he buys land, undeveloped land, uh, in the uh, what we would now call the Upper West Side of Manhattan and in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And he's buying this land dirt cheap because there's no electricity up there. There's no um, there's, uh, there's no water being run up there. It's just farmland. You know what I mean? So what winds up happening is uh, he buys that dirt cheap, then uses his resources in the city to start developing that land. So now he's going to improve his own investment, and then he hires his own guys to do the job who have to pay him kickback money. So he's being paid money by the guys who are improving his investment on the money he bought dirt cheap because he's now diverting city. And that's how you I'm – I'm dead serious. Next well, time you're on the Upper West yeah. Side, it was built by Tammany Hall. I'm sorry. As dope as that is – Soapy Smith is still the best scammer in history. Like, the man's got a preference. Yeah, no. So. Anyone that'll anyone that'll convince people of fake telephone lines has it in my book. As fucking, yeah, I think you're right. Just for the that what the, an idea. the lunacy of it. Anyway, continue. <laughs> and we are wrapping up here because I promise. So uh, that's the bottom line here: is that Lewis Baker's going to get away with that after sitting on three different trials over here. Okay, nothing could stop him. All right, he gets away with that one. He doesn't wind up making it to the Canary Islands, but he does walk free after that. Now, what about John the Smoke Morrissey, you ask, Kahuna? Well, uh, with his nemesis, Bill the Butcher, now dead, he suffers no no recompense whatsoever. They don't, they can't tie anything to him. Everybody knows he was involved, but nobody can prove anything. And Lewis Baker, the guy who actually pulled the trigger, he got away with it. So how are you going to come down on the guy who maybe paid him to do it if you're not even going to go after the, the trigger man? So what winds up happening to John the Smoke Morrissey? Well, with nothing being able to stop him, he opens up several bars in the area, uh, becomes a massive saloon owner. Helps him build up a fortune that is, in their time money, Kahuna, $1.5 million. Oh, shit. $1.5 million. That makes you a millionaire even by today's standards, okay? There's money now in imagine, drinking. Oh, a little bit of money in drinking. Especially, <laughs> oh, wow, the Irish keep showing up. That's so crazy. What are they like? <laughs> so know your audience. That being said, uh, he winds up becoming so successful. Now he's got money. What do people with money do, Kahuna? Oh, I don't know. Buy Teslas. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, or run for and serve two terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. John the Smoke Morrissey, <laughs> bare-knuckle brawler, makes it all happen here. And that being said, we are closing up here, my friend. 
The butcher is fatally wounded and dies from gunshots a few days after the initial shooting in his home on Christopher Street at age 33. He is survived by his son and his wife. His body will be buried in Brooklyn with thousands of onlookers paying respects to the man known as Bill the Butcher, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.